Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Exodus 15, if you go to Exodus 15, I'm going to emphasize to you tonight that the number one key thing, we talk about it all the time, as to what will help you to walk in the kind of life God wants you to have is application of what you hear. You're not just here to hear tonight. You're here to put application of what you hear. You're here to make adjustments. You're here to recognize little things. Oh, yep, need to change that. Yep, going to fix that. And even confirm, yep, I am doing that. Praise God. Thank you, Father, of things you are doing. But, you know, again, going through life, as I've told you many, many times, is like a pilot flying a plane to its destination. And honestly, if you've never known this or known a pilot, they'll tell you, you have to constantly make adjustments on that flight because winds are trying to blow you out of the way of the direction you're supposed to go, etc. And so just like me and you going through life, we need to constantly be making adjustments in our life to stay on course with God. Amen? Tonight, we're talking about handling stress, stress, pressure, and trouble. Stress, pressure, and trouble. Things will try to stress you out, pressure you, and trouble you. And just for anybody's imagination or thoughts, did you plan this for me tonight? Nope, we're going through these classes in order as they're given in the actual teaching. So understand God knows what you need. Praise the Lord. It's amazing how many people tell me, well, you must have been thinking about me, Pastor, when you made that uh, sermon up. No, I actually wasn't thinking about you. I was thinking about God. I was focused on Him and listening to Him. He was thinking about you. Tell somebody next to you, my God was thinking about me. Amen. Number one, on your notes, in order to beat the devil, listen to that. In order to beat the devil, you will have to learn. Have to. You will have to learn a little bit about his strategies. No, no army... Uh, walks in victory without understanding the enemy they face. You know, one of the key things that's, uh, you know, dealt with in relationship to natural wars is having people who can get information about the enemy. Where are they at? What are they doing? What are they planning next? What's their line of attack? How do they want to attack us? What are they going to attack us with? And as a believer, guess what? You've got all you need in the scriptures of insight of how your enemy, the devil... Wants to try to deal with you, attack you, overtake you. If you think for a moment that as a believer on the planet, the devil isn't still out to get you, you're wrong. Because don't, you know, don't attribute the fact as you go through life, like the devil must just be standing. There's only one devil. So don't think like, well, the devil's just always on me all the time. What, he just hangs out with you and nobody else? No. No, he, he has demons, of course, that he sets on assignment. And they're here to do his work. A lot of times, though, Christians got to be careful about this kind of stuff because they'll attribute too much to Satan. And obviously, we do have an enemy. We're going to deal with that tonight, talk about that tonight. But you also got to realize that you can cause a lot of problems on your own. The Bible says, again, if you listen to the Bible, don't do it. You deceive yourself. James chapter 1. Tell yourself you don't want to be self-deceived. I said, tell yourself you don't want to be self-deceived. Amen. Exodus 15. So in this verse, verse 9, realize under the Old Testament, 
what we see as strategies of the enemies of Israel, well, guess who's ultimately behind that? Satan is. So we can learn and glean and understand things based even in the natural of the wars that they fought of how Satan works spiritually. No different. The Old Testament is interpreted in light of the New. And so we understand that there's spiritual things to be learned from the Old Testament. Now, you got to be careful because we don't want to over-interpret or over-applicate uh, to our life, put application to things that we can't back up with the New Testament. But these things you can. Exodus 15 verse 9 here. In the days of what we're talking about here, this is a part of what's known as the Song of Moses. He talks here a little bit about the enemy they were facing. Verse 9, he says, the enemy said. So who is talking here? Now God's revealing what he's saying, but this is the enemy speaking. Now let me back up for just a minute. Let me say something real quick. Satan is a liar and the father of them. So realize when Satan speaks, is there ever any truth that comes out of his mouth? Yes. Yes, but he'll always mix a lie in with it. <clears throat> when he literally quoted scripture to Jesus, he was speaking the truth, but then he mixed an actual lie in with it. It doesn't mean he won't try to take truth to use it against you, but he's going to misuse it, twist it, or mix a lie in with it. But he is the father of lies. Amen? So things he says clearly in the, in the context of the whole are not true. Say they're not true. Watch this. Again, verse 9, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, talking about what he takes advantage of in your life. My desire shall be satisfied on them. This is the enemy again. It's not God. This is the enemy speaking. I will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them. Now our enemy behind what obviously they faced in the days of the children of Israel. This is the heart of our enemy, no different. Our enemy will pursue us. Our enemy says he will overtake us. We're going to address this. Our enemy says he will divide the spoil, take advantage of what we have. Our enemy says that his desire shall be satisfied on us. Our enemy says he will draw his sword against us and his hand shall destroy us. Now realize this is his goal. This is his goal. Now, I'm going to say something real quick before we get into these key points tonight, talking about learning a little bit about how our enemy works. Understand Satan can do nothing to you that you do not permit him to do. Can Satan do things to you? Yes. Can Satan do things to you? Yes. If you permit him. If you don't know how he works, if you don't know how he functions, he can take advantage of your life. He can deceive he can seduce. He can mislead you. How is it people who say they know the Bible get into error? Satan does that. God doesn't lead them into error. Satan does that. So can Satan do things in our life? Yes, he can. But he can't do it at will. I said he can't do it at will. He has to get your will involved. He has to get you in a place of compromise. You in a place of a lack of understanding. You know, the Bible says, God said... My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, who's the destroyer? Ain't God. Who's the destroyer? Satan is. Well, how, what's one of the ways he destroys believers? Lack of knowledge. If I lack knowledge of how he works or how to come against him or stand against him, guess what? He can do some damage. But understand, he can only do what we permit him. He cannot do a work in your life at will. Can he do harm? Yeah, he can. If we what? Permit him. 
If we by our own will permit him. So thank God we can do something about it. Amen? So let's learn here these key points about our enemy to understand how he works. Because he's the one trying to stress you out. He's the one trying to put pressure on your life. He's the one trying to get you to live a troubled life. All right, number one on your notes, A. Notice it said he will pursue. What does this mean? 1A says, notice this, that's the determination of the devil. He's going to pursue you. He still thinks that he is going to get you to bow down and worship him. He still thinks he's going to defeat God in the end. That's what he thinks. That's why he's not going to give up. That's why he's not going to quit. One thing you have to say about Satan, he's a persistent little cuss. He is. He does not quit. He does not quit. Oftentimes, believers get taken advantage of because they quit God. They don't stay consistent in the things of God. So again, he says he will pursue. That's the determination of the devil. That's him speaking. He is in hot pursuit of every Christian. However, just because he chases us doesn't mean he will overtake us. The decision's ours. The decision's up to us. Say, God knows I can overcome because of Jesus. So God knows that, but guess what? You need to know that. Now realize, too, the devil thinks that he can overtake you. He thinks he can overtake you. And he is overtaking a lot of Christians today. It breaks my heart to see what Bible, what the Bible, obviously you can't stop it. Uh, God didn't prophesy it like, hey, I'm going to prophesy it into existence. You understand that not all prophecy means because God said it, it's going to happen because God said it. God knows things before they happen. So some things he prophesies, he's just telling you, I'm all-knowing. And I already know this is going to happen. He talked to us about the last days in the Word of God and said many, the love of many, excuse me, will grow cold. You're not going to stop that from happening. You know why? God saw it coming. God saw it coming. So if my love for God grows cold, guess what? The enemy hasn't stopped pursuing you. If your love for God grows cold, guess what's going to happen? He's going to overtake you. He's going to overtake you. So you got to understand, he can't overtake you if you don't do the things you're supposed to do to safeguard your life against him and keep him in his place. Amen? So we're talking here in point number one out of this verse, understanding a little bit about our enemy's strategies. What's his first strategy? He's going to pursue. He's going to pursue. He's going to try to overtake you. Doesn't mean he has to. That's up to you. B, he also says he can overtake you. That's what he says. That's his goal. What's he out to do? Overtake you. This is only the devil's confession. Not ours, but it is what the devil says. He will do his very best. You on point B with me? I said, you on point B? He will do his very best to do what? To beat you. And, And he seems to be relentless in his attempts to destroy and devour you. Do we have to let him? Not at all. Not at all. Don't take this point to mean like, yeah, we're just going to be under this constant pressure and strain all the time. No, if you're under pressure and constant strain, you're already being overtaken. Because you shouldn't be. You ought to be at rest. So you got to understand, this is simply the enemy talking. You need to know what your enemy thinks. You need to know what your enemy believes. You need to know what your enemy actually says he's going to do. Because if you know it, then you can prepare for it. 1C. He also says he will divide the spoil, take advantage of what you have. The devil says he will get all your goods and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, we know this is a lie. It's a lie. But if you give him opportunity, will he? Sure. Absolutely. Does the devil want your finances? Yeah, he does. 
Does he want to take advantage of your money? Sure he does. How does he take advantage of most Christians' money? Somebody help me preach tonight. I'm going to tell you how. By not paying your tithes and offerings. By not putting the kingdom first. By not taking advantage of what the Bible says you can walk in as a child of God. The devil is the one, think about it. If you give to the kingdom, what's going to happen? The gospel is going to get preached. If the gospel is going to get preached, what's going to happen? Lives are going to be changed. Back up. Guess who the devil doesn't, guess who doesn't want lives to change? The devil doesn't. So if the devil doesn't want lives to change, guess who doesn't want you given to the kingdom that will change lives? The devil doesn't. It's not God telling you not to pay tithes and offerings. It's the devil telling you that. And any other famous preacher that tells you otherwise is totally out of line with the New Testament. It's not an Old Testament thing. It's not a law thing. Tithing was established way before the law was ever even put in motion. Between Abraham and Melchizedek. And in Hebrews 7, we now have a high priest, Jesus, under the same orders, I'm, I'm quoting the New Testament to you, of Melchizedek. What did Melchizedek do? He was sent to receive the tithe from Abraham. Well, is Jesus going to come down here every service and receive your tithe? No. But Hebrews 7 says, that it says here, mortal men receive it, but there. Come on, somebody. There it is witnessed that he, Jesus, he received it just like Melchizedek. So understand, again, it doesn't mean you have to be overtaken or that therefore he can divide the spoil, take advantage of your stuff. No, that's a lie thinking that it, that could actually happen unless you let him. 1D, he will try to do what? He'll try to force his desire upon you. That's his goal. Notice this very clearly here. He says, my desire, look back to verse 9, my desire shall be satisfied on them. He wants to force his desire on you. <clears throat> He wants you to take up his desires for your life. He wants you to fulfill his desires for your life, not God's. So you got to realize he's constantly doing what? Through different forms of temptation and different forms of, of aspects of influence around you, other people, etc. Who is it that tries to get Christians to live in sin outside of marriage? Satan does. Who is it that, is it that tries to get Christians to commit adultery when they're in a marriage relationship, Satan does. Who is it that, that tries to get Christians to take advantage of other people and actually step on them and walk over top of them to be able to actually gain higher uh, status in their life in relationship to the things of this world? Satan does, not God. So you got to realize that's his desire. Am I, am I following his desire? Because if you're living in sin, guess whose desire you're walking in? You ain't walking in God's. You're walking in Satan's desire for your life. So he is trying to get his desires upon us. And then 1E, the last thing, what will he do? He'll draw his sword against you to intimidate you as much as he can. What's his sword? What's his sword? What's his sword? What's his sword? He's the accuser of the brethren. What's his sword? His words. Same as Jesus. What's Jesus' sword? The word of God. What's Satan's sword? His words. His lies, his deception. He's going to pull his sword. He's going to bring what? Fiery darts. You listening? He's going to use his words to try to come against you to defeat you. If he can get you to believe you're a nobody, he's on the right path. If he can get you to believe you aren't who you say. What did we sing tonight? I am who you say I am. See, he's going to try to take his sword. His words convince you you'll never amount to anything. You'll never have anything. You'll never see anything of God fulfilled in your life. You'll never be healed. You'll never see your marriage. You'll never see your kids raised up. You'll never see. You'll never. Well, guess what? That's his sword. 
He's going to use his sword against you the same way as you can use God's sword against him. So understand that's what he's doing, quote unquote, with his sword. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. So those are simply points to understand your enemy. Say, that's how my enemy works. Now, you need to realize that. You need to understand that. Because any of these things going on is not God in your life. This is the enemy. The enemy will pursue. He wants to overtake you. He wants to take advantage of what you have. He wants you to fulfill his desires for your life. And he wants you to believe the words that he speaks to you contrary to the word of God. So understand, that's how my enemy works. If you understand how he works, then you can pay attention to when he's coming against you in your life. In context to even sin, if I give in to something that I know is not right in the sight of God, what am I doing? I'm allowing Satan to get his desire in my life. I'm allowing him to get his desires in my life fulfilled. And I guarantee you, you need to understand that. When you walk off into sin, what you just did is you just said, Hey, Satan, I'm going to take your desire from my life. But thank God you can repent, get right with God and deal with it and get free from it in Jesus' name. 1 Peter chapter 1, are you there? Point number 2 on your notes tonight. You and I must realize that even Christian people do face adversities. I mean, you know, there's kind of the two-sided camp on every subject, right? So one side of the camp is, boy, you get born again, man. And, you know, excuse the phrase, but it's just what people say. All hell breaks loose. Everything, here's how you know. Listen, listen, listen carefully. Here's how you know you're obeying God because everything's coming against you. That's a lie. There's no scripture that tells you because everything came against you, you're obeying God. You're on the wrong side of the ditch. Awful quiet in this calf looking at a Newgate church of mine tonight. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. A lot of people say, well, I know I must be obeying God because everything's coming against me. That's not true. There's no verse that says because everything came against you, you're obeying God. There's people who obeyed God who weren't going through all tough times all the time. Are you listening? So that's one side of the ditch. Say that's one side. Wrong side. What's the other side of the ditch? Oh, you get born again. Man, life's a breeze. Praise God. You don't ever have to worry about anything anymore. There's no problems in life. Nothing to ever face or deal with. That's a lie. Say they're both lies. But guess what? When you get born again, you'll still face adversity. You'll still face, not because you're doing everything right. Come on, don't buy that stupid lie. Think about this. Who do you think propagates such a lie? Who do you think propagates such a lie? Well, if you're doing everything right, man, all hell's going to come loose. Okay, so who's going to want to do right then? Oh, that's an encouragement. Yeah, let's go do everything right because then all hell will break loose against us. I'm just waiting for that. But see, that's a lie. That's a religious lie as much as to say I'm born again and I don't have to worry about anything. I'm good. Praise God. No, you still have an adversary. He's still in pursuit. You better know how to deal with him. Would you please shake your neighbor? Say, if you'd listen to your pastor more, he'd help you. See, I, I know when I'm hitting those religious sacred cows because when I hit a point that's a lie, it gets really quiet in church. Oh, if I believe that, pastor. All right, then go find a verse that actually proves what I'm saying is not true. Because there's not a verse that says because you're doing everything right, everything comes against you. Let me help you. Because you're a Christian, stuff will come against you. You live in a fallen world. It's not a perfect world. You figured that out yet? It's not a perfect world. So realize too though that again, point number two, you and I have to realize that we do face adversities in life. Uh, 2A, we will face various trials. Say various trials. All right, watch this. First Peter, you with me? 
chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Say a little while. Now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by what? Various trials. But see, they're not forever. Not if you know the word. Not if you know what to do. Are you listening? It's trials that can make you stronger. Because when you learn how to walk in victory as a child of God against these trials, I guarantee you what, next time around, you ain't going to be taken so you ain't be taken advantage of so easily. You're going to know how to rise up quicker and better. Amen? Look at verse 7. Notice these trials, that the genuineness of your faith, underline it. What are these trials doing? They're helping me to prove the genuineness of my faith, being so much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is what? Tested by fire. It may be found to what? Praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, don't go into this scripture, scripture and say, yeah, see, God's going to allow these trials to come to us because he wants our faith tested. No, he is not the one bringing the tests. Life will bring the tests. Satan will bring the trials. God will bring the victory. You listening? Life will bring the tests. If you walk in faith in God, God will bring the money. And then you'll have a testimony. God don't bring the tests. Life brings the tests. The fallen world you live in will bring the tests and trials. God's not going to put you through trials. You listening? God's trying to teach you how to walk in victory over the trials that are already here. So again, on your notes too, uh, you got to realize that Christians do face adversities 2A, including various trials. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. See, because some of these things that I'm telling you, you don't think they're important. These are golden little nuggets. These are golden little nuggets. I can't tell you how many times people, even in my own church, have said, I must be doing something right. Everything's coming against me. You just spoke a lie. You just allowed Satan to take advantage of your life by believing that all the stuff coming against you is because you're doing stuff right. Did you ever think maybe some of the stuff coming against you might be because you're not walking in the fullness of the knowledge of the Word? Or maybe it's just attack of the enemy, sure. But it's not just because you're the sole one doing everything right, and so Satan's out to get you. No, he's out to get every Christian. He's out to get every believer. So these are important because if you allow these lies to start working in your life, I'll guarantee you what, Satan will start taking advantage of your life through those lies. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Say, I'm there. If you're not, say, oh me. Hurry up, oh me. Come on. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 12, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well, there's a positive verse, Pastor. If I want to live godly, I'm going to suffer persecution. Now, wait a minute. Let's define it. Look on your notes, 2B. You will suffer persecution. The Bible just said so. But wait a minute. What is a persecution as opposed to a trial or a temptation? Totally different. Totally different. Persecution doesn't mean a trial or a temptation. All right? So, number one, how many of you desire to live godly? Well, if you desire to live godly and you get persecuted for it, you're doing something right. If you're never persecuted for your faith, you're not, you, you obviously have proven, I don't desire to live godly. If you're never persecuted for your faith, persecution's not a trial. What's persecution? Oh, you little goody two-shoe, you better than everybody think you're such a godly... Listen, persecution is people making fun of your Christianity. 
Persecution is saying, when you talk about, man, I know that without a doubt your words are powerful. And if you don't speak in line with the Bible, da 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 oh, you bunch of blab it and grab it. That's persecution because you're living godly. You're doing what the Bible says. That's not a trial. Come on, this isn't your finances having problems. This isn't your body being attacked. Persecution means an outward pressure from people to get you to stop walking into the things of God. Persecution is an outward pressure from people to get you to stop walking in the things of God. If you walk in the things of God, they're going to make fun of you. There's people going to mock you. Guess what? Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody on Facebook is going to hit the little like button. Are you listening? And most of the time, it ain't sinners that persecute you. It's religious people, just like Jesus' day. So don't take persecution and mix that in with suffering and adversity. But if people allow persecution to get to them, guess what happens? They start getting stressed. They start getting pressured. They start getting troubled. Everybody doesn't like me. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? They didn't like my post. They didn't like my verse I said. They didn't like what I said. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And you know what most of the time, you know what most of the time you do? You fight back. Yeah. And the Bible doesn't say to do that. The Bible says do not argue over doctrine. I mean, it's been a long time, but I used to have people all the time, man, on different pages I post that admins asked me to post on. Hey, would you post your stuff on our page? Sure. Yeah. A guy named Daryl Chestnut has several big cowboy sites online. He's asked me, would you post on my site? Sure, man. Yeah, I post every day now. But I used to have guys, man, would say, well, I don't believe that. Blah, 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 blah. I said, well, it don't matter what you believe. Go study it for yourself. Prove it out. If I'm wrong, find scripture that proves it's wrong. Now, they never come back with a verse. They just say, I don't agree with that. And then they want to say why. So I post other verses. Say, here's some other verses, brother. Check it out. Go check these verses out. And they won't ever come back with a verse. They just come back with their difference of opinion or belief. And then, of course, then they want to argue. At that point, I say, I'm done with you. I'm not here to argue because the Bible said don't argue over doctrine. Now, understand I'm not posting theory on the Bible, uh, theory on Scripture on, on the Internet. I'm posting what I've learned and lived Amen. and proven from the Bible over and again, as well as my spiritual fathers. I'm not, I'm not posting speculation. Now, if you're posting speculation, it ain't true, then you're going to get some obvious adversity from it. But realize if I'm posting the truth, I'm still going to get persecuted because guess what the devil don't want people to know? Truth. But that's not the same as a trial, folks. Somebody not liking your post is not a trial. Come on. Somebody not liking you as a person is not a trial. That's called persecution. And if you live godly, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be in a good category of people like Jesus who was persecuted for their faith. Who cares what people think about you? See, the problem is if you're so wrapped up about what people think about you, you're not going to live godly because you're going to get persecuted. And therefore, you want to be liked so much, you're not going to live godly. You're going to try to please everybody. But guess who you're going to displease while you're trying to please everybody else? God. God. I like what it says in the book of Acts. The disciples stood up firmly and told those that were actually persecuting them for preaching the gospel. None of you have been actually stoned yet, have you? Anybody here been stoned for, being, for preaching the gospel? Raise your hand. Anybody been beaten with, a, with a, a cat of nine tails? Raise your hand for preaching the gospel. Anybody actually in this case been beaten with rods for preaching the gospel? That's what they went through. Well, that was suffering. Now, that's persecution. That's persecution from the enemy. But understand this, folks. God will deliver you out of all that stuff. I get a better amen. So you got you to gotta wake up to the reality. I'm not living on the planet to get everybody to like me. If, if God is in love with me, and he is... And I've received what he's done for me. Guess what? He likes me because I'm a new creation. 
Not the outward person. He likes me. So I don't need anybody else's likes. Can I get a better amen? amen? Go to the next verse. Acts chapter 14. Acts 14. So understand the difference between persecution and suffering and affliction like a disease attacking your body or, you know, or a financial attack or something like that. There's a big difference. A lot of people don't get that. But if you go live godly, you, the simple way to put it in our, day, in our term today is you live godly, not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to like you. But the people that will listen to you and what you have to say and the witness that you share with them, guess what? You're going to help them. You're going to help a lot of people. And that's what it's all about. Acts 14. If you're there, say amen. amen. 21. 14, 21. Notice this. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they then returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, underline it, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Enter the kingdom. I thought I'm already in the kingdom. Well, you are in the sense of being born again. But the kingdom is his dominion over your life. To enter into his full dominion over your life, once again, you're going to face troubles and tribulations to get there. The devil doesn't want you to enter into all that God has for you in the kingdom. So realize he is going to try to do things to cause you to back down, stop believing God, stop walking by faith. But if you want to enter the kingdom, guess what? It's going to be through. Say through. Now I want you to listen to that. I want you to listen to that. It says, notice, we must through. We don't hang out in them. They don't overtake us. We're just going through them. I said, we're just going through them. Satan can throw something at me that's trying to keep me from getting into what I have as available part of the kingdom. But I can just go right through it. I can get through that tribulation by faith and enter into what God has for me. See, the context of walking in what God has for you doesn't mean it is all easy. No. No, there'll be opposition. There'll be things to try to stop you. But thank God we can go through it. Say, I can go through it. God never promises for you to go around tribulation. But guess what he will do? He'll help get you through it. Three C's. So again, you also got to realize that not only do we face adversities, we also will face tribulations in this life. Go to Psalm 34. Let's go hang out in the book of Psalms for a while. Psalm 34. Shake your neighbor say, I hope you're paying attention tonight. Praise God. Hope you're listening. Psalm 34. We're not just here to hear. We're here to be doers. So as you go through a teaching, anytime you're in the Word of God, it'd be just like you sitting, Jesus talking to you, and little points come up. Whoa, I need the app. You better make a note of that. And then make sure when you leave, I'm going to start, I'm going to start changing that. I'm going to make application of that and start doing that. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Number three. Settle it once and for all in your life that God, sorry about the typo there, apologize. Settle it once and all for, settle it once and for all in your life that God can and will deliver you. I want you to say it after me. Settle it once and for all in your life that God can and will deliver you. Now make it personal. I settle once and for all in my life. That God can and will deliver me. Yes, he will. If you give him opportunity, he'll do it. He's done it all through the context of the time frame of this earth, both Old and New Testament. Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Why afflictions? Because we have everything from tests, 
from the enemy to trials, to tribulations, even persecutions. So you're not going to live in this life without being afflicted in some way. But again, you can walk through it victorious. How many of love growing up hearing the story about David and Goliath? Right? No Goliath, no champion David. You know why he's a champion in the eyes of most people? I'll tell you why. There was a Goliath to overcome. Everybody loved to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fire furnace. No fire furnace, no testimony. No testimony of coming out, not even smelling like smoke. Daniel in the lion's den. See, it doesn't mean they didn't face those things, but who was with them in the midst of it all? God was. Who walked them through it all? God did. I said God did. So watch this verse again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Underline, circle, or highlight the last part of the verse. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, you didn't hear it because there was no shouts. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord delivers them out of him all. Now, why does he say Lord here? Why doesn't he just say, but God delivers them out of them all? I'm going to tell you why. Because he has to be Lord over your life. If he's supreme in authority, guess what he's going to do? He's going to deliver you out of any affliction you face. You listening? He could be God to you. If he's just God to you, he's not going to deliver you out of those afflictions. Why? Because you're not submitted. He's got to be Lord. I said he's got to be Lord. If he's Lord, you're submitted. A lot of Christians still don't like the submit word. They still don't like the context of obedience to the Bible. They think that's bondage. No, my Bible says obedience to the Bible gives you freedom, not bondage. So you got to understand something. Understand this. This is clear, critical. We got to know this. Submission is the greatest thing a believer can learn to do in relationship to their God. Because if you'll submit to God, He's Lord, you're going to come through anything you face. If you're not submitted to Him, you're not listening to Him. You're not paying attention. You're not doing what he tells you to do. You're changing things. You're not all doing everything he says or not applying anything at all. See, if you hear the word taught and you don't apply it, guess what? You're still playing Lord. You're still playing Lord. But if he's Lord, what will he do? If he's Lord, what will he do? Shout it at me. Shout it at me. He'll deliver you from them all. He'll deliver you from all the afflictions you face. If you just simply do what? Keep him as the Lord over your life. Submit to him. Do what he says. Keep practicing it. Keep working on it. Amen? Amen. So again, settle it in your heart that the Lord God himself can deliver you out of all trials, afflictions, and temptations. 3A, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but B, the Lord does what? The Lord delivers them out of a few. The The Lord delivers them out of half. The Lord delivers them out of how many? All. All. Go to Psalm 37. Three chapters over. Psalm 37. When I was a baby believer, just born again, the very first verse I learned was in this psalm. The very first verse I got a hold of was in this psalm. Point number four in your notes. Get ready because you're about to learn seven Bible things to do when adversity presents itself to you. In this psalm, you're about to learn in these first eight verses seven Bible things to do when adversity comes at you. Psalm 37.1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of inequity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. 
I'm going to tell you right now, that verse number one is hard for a lot of Americans to do, even me, because I get so fed up with seeing people in our government, people in our, our aspects of our politicians and our, our, our even uh, context, some of our, uh, you know, FBI officials, name them. I don't care. CIA, you know, president down to mayors, etc. I'm tired of seeing people get away with stuff that they shouldn't be getting away with. But see, if you're going to focus on that, you're going to disobey this verse and Satan's going to take effect of your life. Because now you're going to get so politically focused that you're not spiritually good for God anymore. And you're frustrated. I'm going to show you that. Verse 2, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on His faithfulness. Verse 4, delight yourself also. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. That was the verse, very first verse I ever memorized. Thought I'd be a world champion bull rider. Didn't come to pass because I misunderstood the verse. And I'll come back to it. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall do what? Bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice, your justice as the noonday. Seven, rest in the Lord. Verse seven, not the, we're not, we're going to go through the things here in a minute on your notes. Rest in the Lord and do what? Wait patiently for him. Do not fret again because of him who this what, does what? Prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Verse eight, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes what? Harm. So I'm going to show you these in your notes, and I'm going to go back to the verses. You should underline them. Seven Bible things to do when adversity presents itself to you. Number one, under four. Watch this. Do not fret because of what? Evildoers. The word fret here means to be angered by. See, most people look at that word fret. What would you think in the context of just hearing the word fret? What would you think that means? Excuse me? Worry. Most people would take it as worry, but that's not the word. The word, here, the word here means to be angered by. Number one, underline it. Verse one, do not fret because of evildoers. Underline it. Because you won't have these notes with you always, but you'll have your Bible. And when you open to that Psalm, Psalm 37, you can know this is one of the things I need to do. What does it mean to not fret because of evildoers? Do not. What's the definition of fret? Be angered by. Don't get angry because it looks like all these evildoers are getting away with it. Ladies and gentlemen, there's coming a day of judgment, whether it happens in this life or happens in the afterlife. I'm going to tell you right now, nobody is getting away with anything. Say it. Nobody is getting away with it. Well, it sure looks like a pastor. They haven't faced God yet. You listening? He's a God of justice. Nobody's getting away with anything. Yeah, but the injustices they don't. God's keeping a record. He knows. So even if justice through man's system is not served here, and by the way, if you and I know the Bible, obviously again, tells us that we're living in perilous times, do you think you're really going to even have in America a true justice system in America? No. You're seeing exactly what's happened to every great nation on the planet. Every great nation on the planet started off with a small governing system. Every great nation. And the people knew those people work for us. And if we don't like who's in that office, guess what we do? We vote them out. We vote somebody else in. But guess what's happened in every great nation? Over time, that government has grown and gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the degree now the people are afraid to rise up against it. 
And now the people say, well, the government must be right. Let me give you a little example, okay? I, I told you this in this church over and over again from people that I knew knew what they were talking about. The masks are a joke. They will not keep you from getting a virus. And yet our government told us to wear them. Even those officials, a quote unquote, that worked in the context of the health industry in our government said that you're to wear them. Matter of fact, one guy said not only are you to wear one, now you need to wear two. Where do we stop? Where do we stop? And I'll guarantee you now, not that person, he still won't admit it because if he admits what he's been lying about, he could go to jail. You listening? But I'm just telling you, you could look at that stuff and get so frustrated. And I've allowed it to happen and get angered. And you know what you're doing? You're going off the path Satan wants you to go. You listening? It's okay to have a, a righteous anger against that evil. But you got to realize I'm not their judge. God is. Now, we are, we are to expose lies. We are to do our best by honoring God, voting for those that we know we should. But guess what? I got a word for you. If you're living in perilous times, you know what is not going to save you? America's government. You know what's not going to deliver you? America's government. They're not going to deliver. You want to know why? You want to know why? They don't have the ability. They could shed all the blood they got to shed and they can't deliver you. But you know who did? Jesus did. Come on, in the midst of all of what actually Isaac saw around him, a famine. He sowed and reaped a hundredfold in a famine. It don't matter what this government does. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we don't stand up and speak truth. But it doesn't matter what they do as it relates to us walking out the will of God. They cannot stop you from walking in what God said. Only you can. Are you listening? Who do you think behind all that evil? Satan is. All right, is he not a defeated foe? Yes, he is. Can he keep you from walking in what God has for your life? No, he can't. Inflation doesn't have to stop me from prospering. Inflation doesn't have to cost me everything I have. Who's my supply and my source? It is not my government. It is my God. But you got to believe that. you got to live by that. So you understand the balance again. Do we vote? You better believe you do. Too much is given, much is required. Do we talk about the actual issues? Yes, we do. And we reveal what we know, obviously, God wants us to stand up for. But how many understand, even when you do that and you vote, sometimes it don't go the way you want it. Well, guess what? That don't change God. That don't change God's promises. But if you start fretting, doing what? If you start, quote unquote again, the word fret means to become angered by. You start getting angered by all these evildoers, guess what you're doing? You're doing what the Bible said not to do. Read it again. Do not become angered because of evil doers. Don't do it. Don't get angry about it. Just walk in perfect peace and say, you know what, Lord? I'll tell you what I know I'm supposed to do even for the evildoers. What are you supposed to be doing about the evildoers, folks? Pray for them. Know what the Bible said? Am I supposed to pray they get saved? No, you pray, God, your will be done. You know their heart, I don't. Amen. He does. You don't. You know their heart, I do not. If you know they'll turn their heart to the gospel, send labors across their path. If you know they won't, then you start dealing with them, Lord. You start. You know why a lot of these people aren't getting dealt with? We ain't praying biblically. We're not doing what God said. Pray for all who are in governing authority. Who's all? Even the ones you don't like. Even the ones that don't do what you want them to do. All right, moving on. Tell your neighbor, pay attention now. Notice this, again, verse 2 talks about that tie to verse 1. They shall soon be cut down like the grass. 
Read it. They shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. They're not going to get away with it, folks. Their, their day of reckoning, if they don't get dealt with in this life, is coming. You still with me? Verse 3. Trust in the Lord. Now realize I'm just reading the Bible to you. This ain't my opinion. I just told you what he told you to do. This is number two on your notes. Trust in the Lord and do what? Do good. Underline in your Bible. Number three, this is point number two. Seven things to do. Seven things to do when adversity presents itself to you. Number two, trust in the Lord and do what? Good. Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Trust, what does it mean trust in the Lord? I got to be careful. I can't preach on these like I just did on that first one. We'll never get out of here. What does it mean trust in the Lord? Do what he says and believe his word. Say it. Do what he says and believe his word. Say it. Do what he says and believe his word. If I trust in the Lord, guess what? I do what he says and I believe his word beyond everything else I see. I just do what he says and I believe his word. Trust him. Trust him. Well, I got to figure it out. You'll never figure God out. Are you kidding me? Let me come up here and spiritually slap you around a little bit, wake you up. You're never going to figure out God. You can't even figure yourself out, let alone God. Most of you still trying to figure yourself out. Why? You're not going to figure yourself out. God knows you. What are you supposed to do? Trust in the Lord. I said, trust in the Lord and do good. What's doing good? What he told you to do. So trust in the Lord. How do I trust the Lord? Do what he says and believe what he says. Do what he said, believe what he said. That's it. Just do what he says. Even in the midst of adversity. Even in the midst of challenges. Quit questioning God. Well, it's not working. Well, yeah, I'll tell you why it's not working. You want to know why it's not working? Because you're saying it's not working. You're going to get what you say. You say it don't work, it won't work for you. I love Brother Hagin. He would teach people about their words and watching their words and stuff. And they say, I don't believe all that stuff, Brother Hagin. I don't believe all that stuff you teach about words. He said, that stuff don't work for me. He said, oh, it's working fine. <laughs> See, most of them, like you, didn't even get it. <laughs> what do you mean it's working fine? I don't even believe in it. Oh, CC, it's working fine for you. Because what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, it will come to pass. It's working for you 100% like it is for everybody else. You just don't realize it. So you say you, be, you don't believe in it and you say it. Well, guess what? It won't work for you. Preaching better than your amen. Number three, the third thing we can do is delight ourselves in the Lord. Help me, Lord, not to preach on this for an hour right here. Where's that found? Verse four, underline it. This is number three. You might want to put little numbers by them. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will then do what? Give you the desires of your heart. So real quick, real quick. The word delight here, look it up. What's it mean? Be soft, be pliable. Look it up. It means to be soft and pliable. The reference is to like a piece of clay. That word delight is like being a piece of clay in a potter's hand. And if you're a piece of clay in a potter's hand, guess what you don't do? You don't decide what you become. Guess who decides what you become? The potter does. Delight means become like a piece of clay in the potter's hands. Yield to him, submit to him, do what he tells you to do, do what his word tells you to do, do what his leadership tells you to do, acknowledge him, recognize him, and yield to him in his word. Because if you do, now you're delighting yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, there you go. My desire is to be a world champion bull rider. I'm going to be a world champion bull rider. Guess what I never became? 
a world champion bull rider. Well, evidently, you didn't like yourself in the Lord, Pastor. I saw a guy raised from the dead during that time. I saw people healed. I was doing everything I knew to delight myself in the Lord. I just didn't understand the verse. Because number one, it wasn't saying like, do what you think God wants you to do to make him happy. No, it means you submit your life to him and let him make you what he wants you to be. Guess what he didn't want Daryl Baker to be? A bull rider. Guess what he wanted Daryl Baker to be? A pastor. That was his intent in my, for my life all along. That was his, it wasn't like at 27, all of a sudden God changed his mind. Okay, I'm going to make you a pastor. And, uh, excuse me, at, uh, at the age of uh, uh, 30 something, God, I can't remember exactly where I started. But 27, I got born again. 30 something years uh, into this context of this walk with God, all of a sudden God says, now I want you to be a pastor. That was now my desire. No, it was his desire intent all along. I just didn't know how to delight myself on the Lord fully. I was going after what I thought was my desire. All right? So if you want to write this in your notes, when it refers to delighting yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. What's your heart? Your spirit. What's that mean? He's going to put in you your spirit. What is his ultimate desire for you? Because guess what? Your heart has really got the ultimate desire for that in your life. What God wills, your heart wants. You may not always submit to it, but what God wills, your heart wants. So here's a way it's actually translated in another verse. I like this. If you delight yourself in the Lord, listen, his gifts are coming and they are all your heart desires. If you delight yourself in the Lord, his gifts are coming and they, those gifts, are all your heart desires. You know what his gift was for my life? Be a pastor. When I delighted myself in him, yielded to him, guess what? That gift came alive in me and it was all that my heart desired. So realize, as you allow God to mold your life and, and yield yourself to Him, guess what? You may not wind up going down the path you thought you would go. You may not. You know, there's some people that want to go into ministry and do ministry, and God never called them to ministry. Just because you love God and want to tell people about Jesus, that should be the heart of every believer. That don't mean you're called to full-time ministry, folks. See, a lot of people then jump off into full-time ministry without any leadership over their life. They're out there misleading people. They don't know all that they're talking about. They have no quote-unquote acknowledgement of five-fold ministry over them, which is how this works, to ordain them by God and acknowledge that they're gifted to do so and they're called to be a five-fold minister. All of us are called to share the gospel. But not everybody's called to full-time ministry. Matter of fact, the Bible says a select few in the, in the Greek language in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. The word some, a select few. He didn't need the majority of the body of Christ to be five-fold ministry. You know why? Because you're out in the world every day as a believer who can touch people's lives, being developed and traded equipped by the five-fold ministry. Can I get a better Amen. All right, got to move on. Y'all caused me to preach a little longer on that than I should have, but that's all right. Number four in your notes, what's the fourth thing we're to do? Commit your way to the Lord. Now watch this. The word commit in the Hebrew means to roll it on to Him. See, it's not what you think. What's number four to deal with adversity? You roll all of your care upon God. That's what that verse is saying. So I want you to see this. This is verse 5. This Underline it. This is number 4. on verse. It's found in verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. That means you roll all of what you have unto the Lord. You give it to the Lord. And you're trusting in Him. And guess what He will do? He'll bring it to pass. See how simple that makes sense now? If I roll things over onto God and I'm not trying to make them happen. And I trust in Him, what will He do? He'll bring it to pass. He'll bring it to pass. You got it? 
Number five on your notes, you're also supposed to do what? Rest in the Lord and do what? Wait patiently for him. This is found in verse seven. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. What does it mean to rest in the Lord, pastor? You ready? You ready? Walk by faith. True faith. Because if you're walking by faith, you're in a rest. You're in a rest. You're not trying to fight and struggle to get stuff. What, what is the fight of faith? We're not fighting demons. We're not fighting the enemy. He's defeated. We're keeping him where he belongs. What's the fight of faith? The fight of faith is to stay in faith. The fight of faith is to not get out of rest. The fight of faith is to stay in that place of security to know God said it. I believe it. It's so. Praise God. That's the fight of faith. Well, that's resting in the Lord. And if you rest in the Lord, what are you doing? You're waiting patiently. Meaning what? I don't put a time frame on it. I trust God. He'll see to it that it happens. Number six, on your notes, under number four, seven things to do when adversity comes. Do not fret because of him who what? So what does it mean to fret here again? Don't get angered by. So not only do we not get angered by people who are doing evil and getting away with it, guess what else we don't do? Verse seven, do not fret, underline it, because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Well, I'm ticked off, man. That guy's an absolute sinner, and look how blessed he is. No, you, you don't misunderstand blessing. You think he's blessed because he got a lot of stuff. Truth is, that anybody that's not walking with God has a lot of stuff, they're cursed. They're so cursed. They're so scared to death to lose everything they got. You just don't know it because you don't live with them. You listening? But understand this. You got to understand also, I don't get angered by people that prosper. Not even other believers. We should rejoice when other believers do. But even sinners, well, they're prospering. They got all kinds of money. They got all kinds of stuff. Depends on what you mean by prospering. Because prospering means to succeed in every way. That's not just financially. That's socially as well. That's spiritually as well. So you and I cannot do what? Don't get angered by people that prosper, especially and do so doing evil. And the last one, number seven, do what? Cease from anger. Back of your notes. Cease from anger. Number eight, uh, excuse me, verse eight. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. Don't allow things to get you angered, it only causes harm. So how do I not walk in anger? Walk in love. Walk in love. Choose love. Say choose love. Choose love. How are you going to get angry if you're walking in love? No, 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 you didn't hear me. How are you going to get angry if you're walking in love? How are you going to get angry? Answer me, please. How are you going to get angry if you're walking in love? You're not. You're not. Psalm 107. Come on, we've got to hurry now. <sighs> Running late. Psalm 107, verse 4. The clock, the clock, the clock, the clock. Praise God. Say, praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Psalm 107. Number five on your notes. Cry out to the Lord in your times of trouble. Don't run from him. Run to him. Amen. Verse four. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. Not good. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted to them. Not good. But they did the right thing. Verse six. Then they did what? Cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He did what? Delivered them. Delivered them out of their distress. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Cry out to the Lord in your time of distress. Amen. Don't run from him. Start crying out to him. And do so in faith and know my God will deliver me because he said in his word he would. Amen. I said he said in his word he would. Amen. Real simple. 5A, he'll deliver you out of your distress if you do what? If you look to him. Cry out to him. Psalm 41. 
Psalm 41. Tell your neighbor you need to hurry. We're running out of time. Psalm 41. Number six on your notes. Look at the promise that is given to those who take care of the needy. Be sure you do it even though you yourself may be under attack. Psalm 41, verse 1 through 3. Blessed, excuse me. Blessed, excuse me. Shout it at me. That's a shout. You people really need to learn how to shout. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Now you didn't hear it. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. Who? The one who considers the poor. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness and will sustain him in, on his sickbed. Meaning what? He'll make you well. Yes. On your notes, 6a, blessed is he who considers the poor. 6b, the Lord will deliver you in times of trouble. C, the Lord will preserve you and keep you alive. D, you will be blessed on the earth and your enemies will not have power over you. E, the Lord will strengthen you even during sickness. If you do what? If you don't ever stop reaching out to help those that are in need. That don't mean give everything you got away. But don't get so caught up in your little situation. Oh, woe is me that you're all of a sudden not even thinking about trying to help other people who are hurting around you. This is how God delivered Job, I've told you many times. Because Job was told, you go deal with these boys of yours, these friends of yours that are giving you all this bad counsel. Job was in a bad way. His body was afflicted and totally full of sores and, and lost uh, his kids and all of his finances and everything else. And what does God tell him to do? You go minister to these you know, crazy friends of yours. And in doing so, he got his focus off of him and he got him back in faith. Number seven on your notes, we looked at this last week. In our teaching last Sunday night, actually, John 14, 1, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Say it. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Number seven, Jesus instructed us to keep our heart right through all things. 7a, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, under that little point means that we can what? We can allow it or stop allowing it. It's up to you. Why would he say, let not your heart be troubled? Because it's your choice. It's your decision. 7B, in times of adversity, we must do what? Believe God. In fact, we must, you ought to underline this, we must believe God more during these times than at any other time. Can I get a better amen? Last one, number eight. I'm going to quote it to you, Matthew 6, 25. You should know it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be... Actually, that's not the verse. See, that's 33. Oh, checking your Bible knowledge out. Huh? It says, do not worry. Do not worry about what you would need in this life. Come on, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, the clothes you'll put on. Does your heavenly father not know you need these things? Tell your, tell your neighbor, pastor just got you, man. He just got you. See, you were just trusting me that I was quoting the right verse, huh? I was checking your Bible knowledge. Number eight, Jesus gave us very precise instructions about staying out of worry. Eight, eight, do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Some things you can do, powerful, 
B, you got to learn to meditate on the Word of God during times of trouble. C, you got to learn to speak only God's Word. Underline it. You got to learn to speak only. Learn to speak only. Only God's Word in times of warfare. You got to learn to speak it all the time. But I'll guarantee in warfare, watch your mouth. Tell your neighbor, watch your mouth. D, we must draw closer to God and fellowship with His people even more when we're under pressure. You don't need less church. You need more. Because if you're doing what you should be doing as a church family, when you come together, you're loving on each other. You're encouraging each other. E, learn to make no decisions while under pressure. Dumbest time to ever make a decision in your life is when you're under pressure or hassled in any way. You take time to deal with the pressure first, then make the decision. Because all you're making a decision out of is your, uh, your will, your soul, your, your emotions, the old nature. Uh, F, learn to rest and watch your diet. I know you don't like it, but there's a fact. Learn to rest and watch your diet, especially under stressful times. Okay, I've addressed this with over uh, three different people just in the last handful of weeks. These energy drinks are a joke. You think you're getting energy by the drink. No, you're not. You're filling your body with all kinds of garbage and your brain with all kinds of garbage. It shoots you up for a minute, but the crash is horrible, and all it does is continue to deplete you and make you worse. doesn't make you better. Watch your diet. Watch what you're eating. You can't. I, I've said this so many times in this church. Has anybody ever heard my diet of Twinkie statement? Raise your hand if you've ever heard. See how many times have I said it? If I believe God for healing and health in my body, but I love Twinkies. I did when I was growing up. Anybody like Twinkies growing up? Man, I love those Twinkies growing up, man. But, but if I loved uh, Twinkies and I lived on a diet of Twinkies and I couldn't understand why I didn't walk in divine health because God said I'm healed. Don't you think? You obviously think I would know why I'm not walking in divine health. Well, God said I'm healed. Yeah, but he also said he gave you wisdom. And if you don't know it, Twinkies never die. <laughs> I saw a deal one time. I forget how many years they showed one sitting somewhere. And I mean, it was years. It looked the same as it did when it came off of the production line. It had not changed. Watch your diet. Especially under what? Especially under stressful times. Your body still has to have nutrition. Proper nutrition. G, pray in tongues often. Shout hallelujah. Pray in tongues often. Why? This will build you up in your inner man on your most holy faith. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.